welcome to You Love to See It, the podcast where we watch TV shows and movies and tell you all about them. I am your host, Danielle. Think of me as an angel, Riendo. And today we are watching Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Wesley Snipes, he's been a killer and a commando. Patrick Swayze, he's been a heartthrob and a hero. But these tough guys are about to face the most physically challenging roles of their careers. Let's give it to them, girls. Meet Vita Boehm. Enchanté. Why are you crying? Maybe she just found out Menudo broke up. Miss Noxima Jackson. Jesse's daughter. And their protege, Chichi Rodriguez. I'm the Latino Marilyn Monroe. I got more legs than a bucket of chicken. They were headed for Hollywood. Think of it as easy rider and dresses. On a sacred mission. Let's take this message from Miss Newmar with us across the land. Now, they're stranded in a strange land. Well, ladies, welcome to Snydersville. And you thought the dust fall was over? And before they leave. Do you like my nails? They may turn this town from drab to utterly, utterly fabulous. Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Numar. I am joined by three very special uh, friends, co-hosts, companions on a road trip. I have LB Revenge of the Wench Hunk Tears with me today. Hello. We also have Fernanda Girl. Hi, Fernanda. Hello. Very specific. I'd just like to state for the record that I am in no way comparing myself to Naomi Campbell. It's uh, an homage. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, exactly, an homage. I also have Merritt Career Girl K. Hi, Merritt. Hi, you know, working nine to five. Oh, wait, wrong movie. (laughs) (laughs) But we should watch nine to five. I really think we should. Yeah, that's a classic, true classic, workplace classic. This is a different type of, I don't know if it's classic, but it's a different type of movie. Uh, a different of course, type of workplace classic. <laughs> it is a different, it is sort of a buddy uh, road trip movie about uh, some drag queens in the 90s. I'm going to read the description and then I'm going to ask the usual question, which is what people's history with the movie is. But the description says, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, is a 1995 American road comedy film directed by Beban Kidron and starring Wesley Snipes, Patrick Swayze, and John Leguizamo as three New York City drag queens who embark on a road trip. Its title refers to an iconic autograph photo of Julie Newmar they carry with them on their journey. She additionally appears in the film as herself. Thanks for that description, Wikipedia. Okay. So before we do the, yeah. the like history thing, I feel like we probably need to explain some stuff about this movie for people who are under 30. Yes. Like, yes. who is yes. Julie Newmar? Who is Wang Fu? Why is she thanking him? Um, Julie Newmar was Catwoman, was one of the Catwomen, along yes. with Eartha Kitt and a few other people on the 60s Batman TV show. Uh, and I looked into this because I was like, who is Wang Fu? Right. right. Because that's like the mystery at the, the center of this film. And um, allegedly, uh, allegedly, he was the head bartender at the China Bowl restaurant, uh, which is the place that they go to, which is a real place. Yes. Um, and allegedly, this was a real picture that inspired the movie. So, <laughs> I love that. And it was the kind of place where, you know, like celebs would, where it would like, they would put up pictures of the like signed autograph, like pictures of celebs on the wall, you know? Yeah. That's real. Um, like a brand that, derby type of deal kind of thing. That place closed in 1993. And um, 
somewhat ironically, uh, because of a character who we will meet later, uh, was replaced with a steak restaurant named Virgil's. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's. Which I believe is still there. That's terrible. Oh. I'm sad already. I haven't even started and I'm saddened by this information. Honestly, yes. What the fuck, Virgil? Well, I didn't mean to start on a downer. I just thought that was kind of <laughs> It is no, it's weirdly, a, it's a great observation. I'm just weirdly very sensitive. Coincidental. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm feeling sensitive after watching this movie today myself. I'm not gonna lie. I'm feeling I'm a feeling, little raw. Yeah. A little vulnerable. I'm feeling something. I don't know what it is yet. Uh, I'm hoping you will all let me help me unpack it today. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It it is a lot. And I want to talk about people's history with the movie because this was the first time I've actually seen this. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had never seen this before. Fernanda, how about you? Is this your first time with, with Julie Newmar? Yeah, no, I had never heard of this movie ever in my life. No idea this existed. No idea Patrick Swayze had ever played a drag queen with Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo also <laughs> playing drag queens. Like, this was absolutely revelatory to me because you guys mentioned it like sort of casually when we were discussing the Patrick Swayze options. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure, Wong Fu sounds great. And uh, then I looked it up and I'm like, this sounds like something I should have known about before. But. <laughs> The very first time I watched it was yesterday. And going into today, like, my main concern uh, was kind of like, okay, whatever I do, I just cannot sound like Anne Hathaway or literally every white lady who's ever been on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, just, I really need to to watch out for that. But after watching the movie, I don't know. I have several other concerns. I, I think it might be one of the biggest RuPaul's Drag Race watchers here, just as that, a, I, I think, I could be wrong, but I think you might be probably the person here with perhaps the most knowledge of that show and perhaps RuPaul. Uh, that's shameful, shameful uh, <laughs> I'm information just I'm just about me. Way to put me on blast, uh, Danielle. <laughs> but yes, I am, I, I, I feel like I shouldn't be as obsessed with RuPaul's as I am, but I am pretty knowledgeable. I've watched every season like several times. Okay. that I have not seen much of that series. I mm-hmm. am actually mostly familiar with RuPaul in the 90s context and being in a, at least a couple of queer 90s movies, yeah. including But I'm a Cheerleader, which is a movie we might need to watch one day, actually. <laughs> oh, That's God, RuPaul's yeah. best work. For honestly. Fun, in my opinion. Yes. Honestly, yes. Uh, but, and... Yeah. It's it's that's quite a that's quite a vibe. That was a few years later, and it was actually one of the first queer movies I ever saw. I will say for my history with the movie, I've never seen it, but I was very familiar with it. And for a very long time, I was the main queer movie critic at a website, uh, at a lesbian website, lesbian and uh, non-binary women website. And I had a video blog, which is what we called it at the time, where we. It was called Retro Reviewing, and we watched queer movies from the 80s and 90s. So I've seen so many queer films from the 80s and 90s, and most of them are truly atrocious. Uh, Mm -hmm. So watching this was really interesting because this has a budget, and it has three actual stars, like legitimate household name stars in it, which, again, most kind of queer movies do not have that sort of thing. Uh, So this was fascinating for me to place this in the same time as like, um, wow. Okay. 95 would have been a little bit before like better than chocolate. Right. Which is a very 
corny fucking movie, <laughs> uh, but also like very much kind of in the the sort of queer canon. Um, and this is a corny fucking movie, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. LB, how about you? Have you seen this before? I had seen the first like 20 minutes and I turned it off. Gotcha. Because I was like, this is too much. Yeah. Uh, it, not in like a, I wasn't. It was just wasn't the right mood at the time, and because this is a very dated '90s movie, it has oh, like a, it yeah. has a lot. It has things going for it, um, but if you're not in the right space for it, mm-hmm. it it was just like it was too stressful for me. Sure. Um, and that was pretty recently. But before that, I do have like a, a memory of seeing it at the video store, and I was very blessed uh, as a child to mm. have a great independent video store between my middle school and my house. Um, oh wow! So I went every day after school, um, and this the most wonderful man in history, uh, Lon Shima. Wherever he is, I hope he's thriving. Um, was the guy who worked there, and he like he's the person who like got me into John Waters movies, oh, and because wow. my parents like gave blanket permission that I could rent whatever I wanted because they wanted me to be home watching movies and not like I don't know having mental illness. Having drugs. Having drugs. drugs. Having drugs and mental illness. Yeah. Doing no, they were better like, watch John Waters movies at home. Do drugs at home. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's fair. We um, just want you to be safe. If you're going to drink, just drink in the basement so we can keep an eye on you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I remember like picking up this. I remember picking up uh, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, and asking me, like, is this good? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> 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 I think I like, he was like, you should watch Liquid Sky instead. I was like, okay, cool. And so I got Liquid Sky. But like, yeah, that was my, like, that's kind of what I've, and in like, in my mind also just hearing about it, I kind of always heard it was like a less good, it was like a less good American Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Sure, Um, sure. But also that like, the performances in it, the performances in it are really good. And uh, Patrick Swayze is like, if you like, when I became more of a Swayze head, like I started hearing about it more and more, which is why I looked into it. Um, so I am really glad that I gave it a, like the full chance and as imperfect and cheesy and very dated as it is, like he is so lovely in this movie, I think. Um, so yeah, that's my meandering history with this film. No, that's, that's really good context. Uh, Merritt, how about you? Have you seen this before? No, I had never seen this movie I feel like I think I'm pretty sure I read some essays in college that like talked about this movie with some other movies and stuff. Like um, I took some women's studies classes in grad school and I'm pretty sure there were like a few pieces on drag and stuff um, that we were assigned. And I definitely remember some like quotes from this movie being like, you know, but it was all academic writing. So it was like, oh, this movie exposes, like, the ways that the normative gaze, like, aligns with blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, okay, yeah. Um, Sure. (laughs) But there's, like, a lot of classic um, ethnographies of drag. um, And I think there's this movie for that reason was coming out, like, around that time when people were doing a lot of that research. So, like, it's, like, a text that a lot of people have mined, I think. Yeah. Um, But, no, I had never seen it. I do get it confused with Priscilla Queen of the Desert, which for a long time I thought was kind of a Mad Max style movie about a literal desert queen um, and not about a bus or van or whatever. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I watched it this morning and it was the first time I had ever seen it. So I was going in fresh. Wow. Yeah. Um, so basically going in fresh to the plot, which we don't need to get too far into. It, it's a very, very basic plot. It's a, it's a pretty corny and formulaic movie, I think, structurally speaking. Um, and I am also of the opinion that the performances lift it out. Uh, to some extent, and that's the thing to watch here, uh, not the the sort of the, the plot itself. <laughs> uh, so we kind of start in New York City, which for me is always a trip to see anything queer culture in New York in the just anything before my time, to be honest with you, like anything, 80s, 90s, 70s, anything before my time, seeing what queer people uh, just did in any extent. And like, of course, I was a teenager by the time the late 90s came around. So I was a little bit more aware of the world not too long after this uh, would have come out. But it's still wild to me uh, to kind of be like, oh my God, this is where I live now. This is my life. I'm a queer in New York now. And this is like a little bit of, of what life used to be like. Which it's very interesting to me. Uh, but we start out at sort of a, I guess it's like the New York City best drag queen competition. <laughs> um, it's the regionals. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the regional. <laughs> We're going to state. Our this. team's going to make state this year. <laughs> regionals as they singly. Yeah. Just, I will interrupt you for a second because just yeah. that part I thought was really interesting because they, that to me was one of the sort of most clever moments of the movie because as they're going into the competition, they show uh, John Leguizamo's character, Chi Chi, being sort of like, assaulted on like the streets like people and throwing yeah things. people yeah. throwing things calling him a freak and we yeah. go straight from there to them being like applauded and being this sort of cheesy but low-key glamorous setting and yeah. i thought that was just such an interesting little snapshot that honestly like i think watching just that part yeah i expected maybe a little bit of a deeper commentary from the movie maybe just yeah. watching that because it seemed a little um, just it seemed so clever to put that in there. And then I think it it really gets watered down throughout. But <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. yeah, we also have in this section of like getting ready and going to this competition. We do have Patrick Swayze singing uh, It's a Man's World in the shower before getting out and transforming into uh, Ms. Mm-hmm. Vita Bohem. Uh, you gotta have that scene. It's, you gotta. If it's you're making a movie about classic. drag, it is like. contractually required that you have the the dress up scene because otherwise then how will we know um even though you know it's patrick fucking swayze but uh the use of salt and pepper there ah, very powerful very Very powerful also this is the only moment in the movie as far as i can remember from two hours ago when they are not in drag because you know by they're sort of forced by circumstances to be throughout the rest of the movie but like there's no other like there's no Mrs. Doubtfire moments in this right. movie where like someone's like wig like there is a moment actually where Patrick Swayze's yeah. wig comes off which is like kind of this weird punctuation to an argument but other than that this is the only part um and also John Leguizamo pretty sure John Leguizamo is never yeah. out of drag yeah um yeah so there's like some interesting a- differences between these characters throughout the movie but mm-hmm. um you gotta have the dress up scene you gotta you gotta you gotta start with that required then- by law 
And then we have the, of course, the big ball scene of Miss New York. And it's given by RuPaul. RuPaul makes an appearance here. And apparently there are several uh, very famous performers. RuPaul, of course, being the kind of I th- maybe the only household name. Again, I don't really watch Drag Race. So, Fernanda, There's- you'll have to tell me if other <laughs> people were household names. <laughs> there is throughout the movie Lady okay. Bunny, um, yeah. Candice Kane. Uh, head of lettuce. I was reading a little about it. That it's a very important, like, uh, trans sort of culture character in that uh, first scene too. Um, I forgot her name, but and uh, what one interesting thing that I just wanted to add that I was reading a, a, re- a more recent interview with John Leguizamo. Because Merritt mentioned that um, Chichi kind of never appears out of dragon. That's true. And John Leguizamo was saying that he believed that today that character should be played by a trans woman and that him and the article stated that both John Leguizamo and other people read Chi-Chi's character as uh, transgender, not uh, just a drag queen. Mm. So I thought that was interesting because it, it, when you look back on the movie, um, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's funny because this movie, like, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but no, it's okay. there's a line pretty early on where... Um, Patrick Swayze's, not Patrick Swayze, uh, Wesley Snipes' character, Noxima Jackson, which is like an incredible name, an incredible name. Sounds like a Captain Planet villain. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But she like lays out this taxonomy of like, oh, this is what this is. This is what this is. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, it's funny because this movie like seems to actually illustrate that that isn't true at all. Like that there is a Mm -hmm. lot more blurring between those things that like, then most people would think um because yeah like chichi is just like sort of out there um and uh yeah so like it's almost like this movie sets up a taxonomy and then it's just like well actually in in practice like when the rubber hits the road like it isn't actually that clear cut Mm -hmm. yeah and noxima is wrong about other things later and like admits she was wrong, you know, kind of like not to help people or not to get involved or whatever. Mm. So it's almost like, oh, see, I mean, this might be a far too generous read, frankly, for this script, but like it is possible to read it as like Noxima has a more rigid worldview and then has a less rigid worldview later on. Perhaps. Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch. I think that's yeah. Yeah. pretty Like textual. knowing that like yeah. there's many flavors of gender nonconforming being, you know, and many ways of being a person in the world and expressing gender, et cetera, et cetera. Um, also, of course, like, again, maybe we should even put, like, a, a a content warning here for, like, some of the language in this movie is so outdated and so, oh, so cringe and so, like, borderline transphobic, like, at times where it's just I sort mean, of like, mm. I don't know that this is, like, that far from how people talk. Like, sure, definitely, like, the queens, um, if you have ever been around um drag queens or like people kind of in that space sure <laughs> some really foul things come out of their mouth um, sure which is pretty wild and i think we kind of have a more sanitized view of drag um mm-hmm. owing in yeah. part to drag race drag and race, like its yeah. commercial success and publicity mm-hmm. which is cool um but sure. then you know one of those performers will say something that people are like you can't say that and it's like well They've been saying that for like 30 years. Queens have been saying that for a while. Yeah. 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 So, um, but then of course there's like the language that other people use for them, which again, like also, yeah, it sucks to hear that, Mm -hmm. but it's not inaccurate, like historically or even currently probably. Yeah. 
Yeah, there yeah, are characters that are villains in this piece. Like there are clear. Vi- there's a oh hard. There's a cartoonish racist. villain. Oh my yeah, God. like Chris Penn, Chris the God Pen, right? As Sheriff Dullard, just oh, like yeah. the fucking this little boy in like a sheriff's uniform, just like calling people racial slurs and and being like, "Have you seen this drag queen?" Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, but um, they tie right. That's what happens in the the New York competition. They um, tie. Maxima yes. and um, Vita, and Vita they yeah. tie. And Chi-Chi is very upset. Chi-Chi runs off the stage crying. She is on the stairs and Vita and uh, Noxima encounter her. And Noxima kind of wants nothing to do with her, but Vita has taken it upon her heart to uh, bring her along to Hollywood. So their prize for winning is to go to the Hollywood competition, which is like, you know, it's going to beyond state. This is the like country. This is the national competition. Uh, so they they go to a, a small sort of uh, gorgeous little cafe where Robin Williams makes an appearance. It's uh, the China Bowl. That, is it? That, oh, that, so that was yeah. That was the restaurant that I was talking about. Um, it was exactly a it. real restaurant. And yeah, Robin Williams in an uncredited role as... John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yep. Do people shout, oh, I hate that. Like, God, seeing Robin Williams for like five minutes in a cameo role, like, made me miss him so much. Same. Yeah. Like, Same. Mm-hmm. It just his presence is unbelievable in this movie. And like the immediate just like back and forth that he has with John Leguizamo, like. Um, so gorgeous. I, I, feel, I think like John Leguizamo is like enchanté or something. And he's like, oh, you speak French? How by? Yes! Oh my god, that line! So good. He's like this weird little, like, just like, he is kind of like a fairy godmother, right? In this movie. Um, He's like a fixer, like a rich fixer of all Yeah, he's like a money guy fixer who's just Um, there. And and so, interestingly, he was in consideration for uh, the role of Vita Bohem. Oh my god! Uh, That's So, Patrick Swayze was one of the last actors to audition for that role. The Mm -hmm. list of people who were considered for this role is like unreal. You will not believe this. Okay, we've got Robert Downey Jr. We've got we've got uh, Billy Baldwin. We've got Gary Oldman. Matthew Broderick. Wild. James Spader. (laughs) Yeah. John Cusack. Mel Gibson. Dodged a bullet there. Robert Sean Leonard. You know, from House. Oh my oh, god. Dr. Oh, Dr. House. Not Dr. House, the other one. Uh, oh, okay. Wilson. Okay. I don't, I don't his best friend. Uh Willem Dafoe. Wow. Oh. John is Willem Turturro. Dafoe in consideration for like everything? Like I feel yes. like we talked about we'll talk about because Willem Dafoe like every episode. John Turturro. Oh my god. It's almost I'm almost done. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon! Rob Lowe. Johnny Depp. Yeah, sure. Tom Cruise, and yeah, Robin Williams. Honestly, this movie with Robin Williams in that role would be deranged. But of course, we already kind of did get that with um, the Birdcage, right? Yeah. Well, the Birdcage, I think, is the year later. It the is year later. It yeah. is, yeah. But, um, but it's it's. But wait, such a he's close... not doing drag in that movie. Nathan Lane is. Yeah. Right. 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 right yeah. But he and he he was also Mrs. Doubtfire the year before. Right, oh, years yeah. before, something sort of like had that, a so. moment there. Yeah, there was a moment of Robin Williams playing a character in drag or a queer character, like for a few years there. 
where he was just doing that. And he was the genie in Aladdin not long before that. So he's really, you know, he's doing it up uh, in terms of gay This culture. was his sicko phase, yeah. <laughs> I love him in this. I love that he <laughs> knows a guy in, like, a lot of, like, beater cars. He knows a used car guy. He knows yeah. the used car man who tries to get the ladies to get a Corolla. But no, they want the shitty Cadillac that's going to fall Very apart. offensive scene, honestly. Very offensive scene for, to me personally, yeah. um, that the way they besmirch that beautiful, beautiful Corolla. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, the top LB, I thought down. this was going to go in a different direction and this is, that's very I mean, it's the thing is, it's like, it's the same body shape as the iconic Toyota Torino um, sure. from Initial D. So... <laughs> Which oh is like God. one of wow. my favorite. Like, did not think we would be talking about initial D on this episode <laughs> yeah. of this podcast. Sorry. No, no, it's, it's great. It's incredible. Like, please get like, please educate yourselves. Initial D like, stands look for look outside initial drag of just queen. American culture and learn about like, a, 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 like a to- that Toyota Corolla body can be like very fashionable. I think, but yeah. I'm done. But yeah, the top obviously, obviously, the, it so. obviously the cab with the Cadillac is like the Cadillac is. Very, is way more fabulous. Like a giant Cadillac. It's that the thing whole is thing a boat. is yeah. it's a boat. Yeah, yeah. it's a yacht. <laughs> I yeah. have I have nightmares about driving to Par- Parallel Park. One of those. Oh my god. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Oh. It's like the kind of car my grandmother drove. Except it wasn't. Uh, she had no. She had like a Grand Marquis or something. But it was like oh, one of those fuck, huge yeah. fucking cars. Uh, and eventually she got so old that it was just like I don't think you can drive this anymore. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's too big. You're kind of like shrinking down under the the uh, oh. windshield. My first um, car, well, the first car I ever learned to drive was a Grand Marquis. So I feel this deep in my bones. Mm, 1988 mm. Mercury Grand Marquis. I drove that thing all the time in high school. It was a lot. Um, oh, I want to point something else out. Uh, there's a blink and you'll miss it cameo by Naomi Campbell. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she approaches uh, Noxima and is like, oh, I wish I was as beautiful as you. And she's like, like, good luck or something. <laughs> like, um, That's but yeah, just like, namesake today as well. Just like yeah. a split second and then she's gone. Yeah. She's credited uh, as girl in the grounds. Yeah. Right. And that, we yeah. were watching it. I was like, was that? And then mm-hmm. Rodrigo, my fiance, was like, I think they were like, that was definitely Omi Campbell, right? And then we checked and. Alas, it was. That's amazing. It was her. So good. Uh, but the the queens set off. They are going to go across the country. Uh, and so they go through, uh, you know, the sort of eastern states. We're in multiple eastern states. Uh, we leave Philly and we go to, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Bella. Hmm. We go to... It's Welsh. <laughs> we go it's to Vita's hometown. Also, wait, sorry, I just need to stop everything Please. for a second because I just realized the RuPaul character's name pun. Because I was oh, like, yeah. what is Rachel this? Te- is Rachel, Ten- Rachel, Rachel, Rachel Tensions. Tensions or Rachel Tensions. Yep. It's pretty it's, good. It's really good. There pretty are some good. good things in this movie. I've got yeah. to say, there are good things here. When she came down with the name, because they say the name and the dress with the Confederate flag. Oh, yeah. see, I wasn't, yeah. maybe I, I wasn't looking at that moment. But. Uh, yeah, so it's, say they announced Rachel, Rachel Tensions and we're like, okay, that's a good drag name. Uh, yeah, and she came out with Amazing. the Confederate flag and it was just, the the dress was a Confederate flag. And I I, I was curious about how RuPaul felt about that scene nowadays, but yeah, it was an oh, Honestly, I'm sure, I'm sure RuPaul was humor. fine with it, yeah. yeah. That's like, like, 
that's honestly the this was actually like the most icon to me like the thing i'd seen the most times because this is like i don't know like back in the like 2013 days of like drag race tumblr and like arguing about you know, like the conversations one like that were had there like i remember this like this being pointed out like well no like racist drag humor can be great sometimes because look at this and i'm like well no this is very good but also i don't really think this is racist to i don't know yeah yeah, I have seen. I I watched Drag Race through season. I think I quit in the middle of season eleven. Oh, so you watched a lot. Yeah, I've watched yeah, most that's of it. Far. Um. But yeah, and I also was a big fan of the RuPaul talk show in the nineties, around when this came out. When she, when RuPaul like was already a pretty much a household name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good cameo, very good performance. Not as good as, but I'm a, but I'm a cheerleader, but like, what right. is, you know? No, very few things are, to be honest, as RuPaul's turn in that movie, because that is a classic performance. Yeah. Those shorts, I can like see, I can feel the shorts in my mind just thinking about them. Um, but yeah, again, that's a, that's a movie for another day. Here we are in West Virginia. Well, we go through Pennsylvania. Vita is upset because she pulls up at her childhood home. A very conservatively dressed woman comes out does a look and goes back in and it's a heartbreaking moment. And she rips up the map and says, maps are cheating. And they go out their merry way to Hollywood. Uh, and they end up in a country road in what they think is West Virginia. It's not West Virginia. Who knows where it is? And that's where we have the most uncomfortable scene, possibly one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the movie with racist piece of shit, sexual assaulting cop. Again, Chris Penn, who uh, tries to assault uh, Vita and Vita right. fights back and uh, with a really great line of like, get your hands off my dick, buddy, and like, throws him on the ground. And for some reason, all three uh, of the queens think he's dead. I mean, he's like funny. lying there and not moving. But OK, wait, this scene, though, they do like a bit of a misdirect, right? Um, yeah. Which they continue to sort of do throughout the whole movie, because like that's sort of the joke. Yeah, that's um, a bit. is like, oh, they're going to tell that they're drag queens and it's like, oh no, they, cause they always do the thing of like, oh, I know your secret. It's, and then it's just like, it's that you like pizza or something like, right. um, but in this case, it's like, oh shit, he is going to come and he is going to, uh, like, you know, bust them up for being drag queens. And then he's like, oh no, he's just a racist piece of shit. Yep. Yeah. Oh no, he didn't read them. He just is insane he's just insanely racist and horrible and then also tries to sexually assault um patrick swayze's character and i read that apparently patrick swayze hit a corn cob in his pants uh before that scene and so the whole like surprise look on chris penn's face that he's like you think he's playing at is just like why am i feeling a corn cob (laughs) (laughs) that's really good (laughs) which is pretty good which is pretty good, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's extremely, extremely good. Another tiny piece of trivia. I guess it's less awesome, but apparently John Leguizamo, that Paul added this note in, John Leguizamo was improvising so much that it pissed off Patrick Swayze, and he got so mad he wanted to punch him. Uh, oh, although that just reminds me of the very annoyed face that he makes in that take with Jennifer Grey in Dirty Dancing. He seems he like was- a very boring man on set. He's like way serious. <laughs> I think he's just he's a like so serious that yeah. it's like 
Yeah, I think he just was like, was like, you know, you show up, you you do the work, you make the movie, um, and you go home, you know, get everybody home on time. Yeah, none of this, none of this clowning around. You know, a lot of actors. Oh, we love when actors are fun, don't we? We love when they clown. No, just do your job. You know. Yeah, and I, well, I get it. Everything I've read about him makes me believe that that's kind of who he was as a person. It was just like he takes this seriously. He says his lines, he he hits his marks, and then he gets out of there. He gives yeah. the performance of a lifetime, and then Which he's, like, I ready to go home. Yeah. I, he's my, giving it so much. My yeah. point of view on, like, this stuff has changed so much since, like, being in a relationship with someone who works on film sets. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, the best directors are not the ones who make the best movies. They're the ones who do the shortest days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> fair. I mean, that's honestly so fair. The best actors are the ones who show up on time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And get their shit done. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Robert Mitchum, actually, who is mentioned in this movie. Famously, oh, yeah. I think, was one of those guys who was just like, I don't think my job is special. It's just a job. I go there and I say what they tell me to say and then I leave. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's why you're one of the goats, my yep. dude. Honestly, like the uh, what's his name? The guy who directed Highlander and like all the 80s videos, um, like Total Eclipse of the Heart and stuff. Oh, God. He uh, when he was working on MTV's Teen Wolf. He thought everybody wanted to work long days so they could make more money. Uh, and then when he found out people wanted to go home earlier, he just like changed the way he directed. Oh, so wow. and just then days just became much shorter. Uh, that That's was um, awesome. Russell. Uh, Russell McKay. Russell McKay. Yeah. Great, great yeah. person. Yeah. Good job, yeah. bro. But Good like job. that's so much like, windblown drapery. <laughs> that's, that's like, I don't know, the like. When I was a child, th- what I thought was cool was like um, really long blooper reels. And now mm-hmm. what I think, what I like is everyone goes home early. Yeah, honestly. Because <laughs> I'm I 31. Mean, well, that's yeah. the thing, right? Like people have shit to do. Yeah. And like, it's a respect thing. And like Paul also said in chat, like John Leguizamo pretty pretty much a fucking goofball at that time as but, well. Yeah, so. that's true. He, was, he would have been very young too, right? John Leguizamo was much younger i think than patrick swayze which is also like that's a thing too right of like yeah. my younger co-worker is like oh you know uh but that yeah. I mean, oh that yeah was, yeah sorry go ahead. that's good for the chemistry though because that's like chichi's yeah, whole thing kind of yeah. young and exhausting. she's young she's young um, she's inexperienced you know she doesn't really know everything yet like she's learning the ways of the world in a lot of ways so this is yeah. like it's what a trio also like yes. of this moment uh, like in this moment of the '90s, of like Wesley Snipes, John Leguizamo, and Patrick Swayze, like that's like a very like that's a powerful cast now. But I feel like '95, yeah. that's like a very powerful cast. Ah. Real, real Triforce situation, like wisdom, courage, power. You know, <laughs> just like, and I'll leave it. I'll leave it to the listener as an exercise to determine which of them gets which. But um, oh my god, he was only 21. When he did this movie. Who That's was? I was so annoying when I was 21. Wait, who was only 21? John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Wait, Wait no, 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 no. He was 30. No, he was 30. Okay. About? He was 30. I was like, yeah. Sorry, I misread something. <laughs> That's horribly. okay. Um, he, was, he was 30 when he made the movie? Yeah, yeah. 30. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was also I'm annoying 31 when I was 30. I'm 31 and I'm very annoying. So. So. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> so we're all allies. Um <laughs> Wait, did he, was the pest, the pest was after this, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it was Mario Brothers this and then like something Spawn, else, right? Romeo plus Juliet. God, what a weird oh, 90s he fuck, had. fuck, Mario. Yeah. Oh Do you think he just I mean, woke up I in the year 2000? Like, what the fuck just happened? 
wow. like he had a 10 year just like fugue state where he made the Mario movie, Romeo and Juliet, Spawn, and The Pest. Wild. Wild. So wild. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, they end up in this town. Yeah, um, they, they have a broken down car and they're picked up by a cute cowboy named Bobby Lee. And they end up in this town. This, uh, like, Bobby is Ray. It Bobby Lee Snyder's or Bobby Ray? Bill. Bobby Lee is a girl's name. Oh, shit. Please. Sorry. <laughs> I did the thing. Do they I clarify the ever where this town is? They do Snyder's Nebraska. Mill nowhere. Yeah. It's Snyder's Nebraska. Bill. Is it I, Nebraska? Let's I see read it a... somewhere that it was uh, Nebraska. Like, obviously, it's a fictional town. Uh, it's apparently yeah. actually Loma, Nebraska. Yeah. According to this Esquire article from 2014. Mm. Um, they apparently shot there. And um, yeah, so that's cool. Apparently, like, 30 people uh, live there. <laughs> oh, well, they also did all this stuff on location, right? So no wonder. Okay, I yeah. would also be actually. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to John. But, uh, like, you're it actually in Nebraska or whatever? Like, no one wants a million improv lines. No one wants that. <laughs> <Everyone's exhausted. laughs> sorry to John. Sorry For some reason, John. I thought you were talking about our John. I was like, yeah, sorry to John Warren. Sorry to John Warren, but no one wants your improv. <laughs> Put your improv away. <laughs> that's just a joke. Everyone wants John's bits. Like, yeah. John's improv jokes. It's true. They do. We have, kind of the bulk of the movie does take place here in this town, yeah. where, you know, everybody's a little weird about them at first, and they are a little weird about the townsfolk at first. However, because this is a magical, happy comedy, uh, folks actually do get along. And we have like burgeoning friendships with uh, most of the townsfolk. We have a lot of stock stereotype characters as well. We have uh, a woman who kind of runs the, I guess it's a hotel, uh, sort of, uh, (laughs) who offers the presidential suite. She is married to a horrible man named Virgil who fixes the car, but is also a horrible, abusive asshole. Uh, We have a woman who doesn't really talk, until Noxima starts talking to her about old Hollywood and she starts talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a woman who runs the beauty parlor who, you know, kind of, it, it kind of becomes the center of the town's revitalization as everybody gets really excited and has a makeover because the Queens are really good with makeup and fashion. Um, Everyone gets like comically dressed up, but yeah. I want to hit on, cause the supporting cast of this movie is also really strong. Like Fantastic. obviously the, the core trio is great, but like, You've got like a really pretty powerful supporting cast. We already talked about Chris Penn. Uh, Jason London is Bobby Ray. He was in Dazed and Confused. Oh my God, yes. Um, mm-hmm. He was in a few other things. You've got obviously Stalker Channing as Carol Ann. Oh my Betty God, Betty Rizzo yes. herself. Um, fucking queen. You've got uh, Michael Varden as Tommy, who is like the leader of like the kind of goons. Like the oh weirdo my god, goons. yes, the goons who learn a lesson. Uh, Michael Varden was, uh, is, he's still with us, uh, best known for his role as Michael Vaughn on Alias. Oh my god. Uh, he's been on a lot of shows like that. Um, and then Clara, the woman who doesn't talk, is Alice Drummond, who had a wonderful uh, acting career, uh, but unfortunately is best known as the librarian at the beginning of Ghostbusters. Oh my god. <laughs> she uh yeah, she 
uh, you know, did a, t- did a ton of work. She was in a ton of movies, um, a ton of TV shows. She was on Dark Shadows. She was, did a bunch of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, is best oh, known. Oh my God. As Can the I tell you something about her? Please. She was born in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. <gasps> Do you know where I lived my whole life? Pawtucket, Rhode Island? Pawtucket, Rhode Island. <sighs> She's a Pawtucket girl. I can't even believe this. I feel yeah. such a kinship with her. Um, you've also got uh, Beth Grant as Loretta. And um, you've probably seen her in other things because she's sort of like her Wikipedia page says that she is known for often playing conservatives, religious zealots, stern characters, or sticklers for rules. <laughs> um, so she was uh, a recurring character in a bunch of Brian Fuller shows mm. and uh, Marianne Marie Beadle. Um, she was uh, in Speed. She uh, was in No Country for Old Men. Um, she's done like a ton of stuff and she just has one of those faces that like, she's, like, oh, uh, yeah. she's, she's like in a, a movie we almost watched for Swayze month. Um, she's the one in Donnie Darko who says, sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. Oh, oh yes. my God, that's her. Yeah. She's, and she plays that role <laughs> in like everything. <laughs> oh my yep. God. But yeah, mm-hmm. she's, she's not that character in this. She's. No, she's a nice lady. Yeah. She's, she's a, nice a really lady. nice lady. She's really excited about Hollywood, which is, of course, where our queens are going. And they bond over it. It's really kind of beautiful in a lot of ways. And uh, Blythe Danner also is. Blythe Danner. Also, Mike talent. Hodge uh, plays, uh, what's that guy's name? Jimmy Joe, who is right. the owner of the the cafe. Uh, who He was a uh, he was on Law & Order and SVU as, uh, as a judge and detective pretty frequently. And he was a lifelong uh, labor activist. He was oh, awesome. a he was a on the board of directors for uh, SAG. So, um, yeah. yeah, he was a he he ruled. He died a few years ago, um, but yeah, he seemed like a pretty cool dude. I just learned that a Blythe Danner is Catherine uh, Menning's aunt. Catherine Menning, who played Hot Shane on The L Word. Oh so, wow! Yeah. Incredible. And of course, her children are Gwyneth Paltrow and Jake Paltrow. Yeah. Wow. I'm just making so many connections. Yeah, this is a this is a fabulous cast. And I think the cast kind of saves us from the script a little bit, uh, at least in a lot of ways. Because, again, I I don't think I can completely overstate what a what a formulaic and corny it's not a very exciting movie i will say like if you were watching anyone else doing this it would be extremely boring and as it is like you know you don't really have to pay attention to the the plot that much it's a series of vignettes where like you know a stranger comes to town and they help the townsfolk discover the joy of color and life and all that all that jazz um but what's everyone's favorite like i don't know vignette or like interaction because that's pretty much all the rest of the movie is, except then Dollard is like looking for them, um, and uh, trying oh, to like, can we track talk about down. his monologue in the bar? Oh my god, yeah, that's <laughs> fucking just mournfully muttering to himself about like men holding each other's warm, hard bodies, swirling their chest hair together. Because they're pretty clearly going for like a oh, the most homophobic people are yeah. secretly closeted kind of thing here, yeah. which like whatever. But he plays it so, like, just funny. Yeah. And just, like, people are sitting next to him at the bar just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he, 
He also has uh, a little bit later a similar kind of monologue where he's trying to like gain the trust. He's trying to toxic masculinity, you know, uh, verb toxic masculinity with a farmer, like a bearded farmer guy who's just like, oh, perverts, you know, is saying all these things. Founding fathers didn't want freedom for this. And of course, the farmer's like, I'll tell you one thing about the founding farmers. They had fabulous wigs. And it's like, ha ha, founding that's farmers. the movie you're watching. You're watching a, a gay fantasy of the 90s. <laughs> it's like, that's what this is, right? That's absolutely what this is. I, I have to say my favorite vignette is probably the Strawberry Festival, um, oh my which God. is just dancing and strawberry eating and whipped cream licking from Chi Chi because she's just. She's just a hottie. You know, she's a hot lady who's excited to be there. Um, And yeah, it's just sort of a joyful fantasy moment. Like this could be the fucking Wizard of Oz. Like it could be anything. It's just like Technicolor dancing and having fun, which is, I think, the point of this movie. It is the thesis of this movie is to have joy in your life. But then Um, they throw these heavy themes too. Like that's my my whole thing, right? Like, Yeah. yeah, it's a few good movie, but then they have these... Moments of dealing with like extremely serious situations, like obviously the the, the domestic abuse storyline with yes. Rizzo. I forgot her name, and Stalker Forever Chains Rizzo in my mind. Character. Yeah, I know yeah, yeah. she's under like Stalker yeah, Channing. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I'm like, what's the character's name? <laughs> <laughs> Stalker Channing. So we're all in the same boat here. Yeah. Uh, so you have those like this, you know, those, those like little moments that are supposed to be heavy. And then I get that you also don't want to make the movie. It's a few good story, but at the same time, I feel like they just threw some stuff stuff in there for the sake of you know being substantious or whatever for being yeah. a little more profound than it is. And to me, it doesn't really work because it's just so it's such a throwaway thing. It's not part of the main storyline. It gets resolved in a very like simplistic way. Like he beats up Virgil, and Virgil Virgil leaves the house and everything's all good now like you know just these things kind of like irk me a little bit because it throw it takes you away from what i think it, the movie is supposed to be which is kind of this feel-good fantasy thing yeah, it's a yeah but isn't, isn't part of the feel-good fantasy beating the shit out of like, <laughs> wife point. beaters yeah. and then they just like ruefully leave town forever yeah that's like the, that's, that's as far. realistic as the events of as any other events of this movie <laughs> sure. i feel like that's a that's a very good point i i do think there's like a tonal whiplash there that is like Mm -hmm. oh jesus okay like that and for me the Mm -hmm. the cop like assaulting vita is like that's also just wildly uncomfortable to watch because he's Mm -hmm. using racial slurs he's looking at two people of color Mm -hmm. in the car and takes out the you know the white person out of the car and like there's a lot of fucking nasty stew there that is just like jesus christ you're playing with some charged imagery movie for like the movie that's the cute dance you know dance and drag movie uh so i I, like absolutely do get that as like tonal whiplash but yeah it is it is a beautiful fantasy that problems can be solved right that like horrible systemic issues can be solved (laughs) yeah you know she works out (laughs) she works works out out a lot you know like that there's like a later solution we later learn that that character has already like read um yeah uh, vita as a drag queen from the beginning yeah but um speaking of another dv yeah which wow i can't believe i just made that pivot. yeah you did um, that's that's a segue <laughs> you did <laughs> uh yeah my favorite scene i think is the one where they go to like that the general store or like yeah vintage oh, store yeah. or whatever and um this guy jamie harold is playing a character named uh billy bud 
um, who is this stuttering, like pretty yeah. clearly gay mm-hmm. boy. Yeah. Um, who's just like, oh, th- all that sixty stuff is just stuff that my, my 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 grandma bought, and we just didn't sell it. And blah. and of course now it's vintage and it's like very chic and everything because it's the beginning of the nineties. Um, <laughs> and then like they give him a makeover and put him in this like ridiculous outfit. Um, and then Vita gives him a copy of DV, which is, uh, Diana Vreeland's, uh, memoir book, of course. Um, and he's just like reading lines from it. Uh, just like, oh, beautiful hats for career women. (laughs) Like, and it's like, what is this character's story now? Is he going to like, is he going to move out and like move to the city and become like some kind of incredible, uh, like fashion guy or something? Because it really seems like he's, like, starting something there. Uh, Jamie Harrell, too. Pretty cool actor. Um, hasn't done a ton lately. But uh, was was in a bunch of stuff in, like, the uh, the 90s and 2000s. He was a Law & Order person, also. Um, he uh, he was in Aaron Brockovich. Uh, Natural Born Killers. He was in I Shot Andy Warhol as uh, Jackie Curtis. Okay. So All that's right. kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We, um, we cut from, we have a moment of I am Spartacus, uh, which is cute <laughs> because everybody now has dressed in bright red and looks oh fabulous. God. And, uh, when the evil cop comes to, to, you know, to town asks for the drag Queens and, uh, yeah, there's an, I am Spartacus. So the townsfolk really do love their new friends and there's a sad, tearful goodbye. Uh, which, of course, uh, Merritt just mentioned about uh, why I now I'm doing it. Now I'm forgetting her name. Stockard. Stockard. Right? <laughs> Stockard, <laughs> not Carol. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, has that moment of, uh, you know, she has this moment of I don't think of you as a man. I don't think of you as a woman. I think of you as an angel, which is where I took my name from uh, today for today's podcast. And then we like smash cut <laughs> to Hollywood yep. to the winner of this year's uh, drag queen competition, which I suppose we could mention briefly that throughout the entire movie, of course, Noxima and Vita are sort of teaching Chi Chi to be the best queen. And she has to level up four times. <laughs> she has to do four steps into becoming fabulous basically. And, all of a sudden, she wins. She wins the best drag queen. Hey, wait of a America. second. Yeah. Wait. A, wait. Okay. Wait. Wait a second. Is this an open competition, or I don't, I don't did you know. have to win a regional to right. get in? Because I kind qualify. of assumed that. Right. She didn't I, win New York. Yeah. <laughs> or is it just like, oh, you won this one? We'll just give you tickets to go to the big one. Yeah, that's what I, I think it's it was. that. Yeah, it must be. Otherwise, it doesn't really make any sense. But yeah, yeah. and then um, Julie Newmar is there. Well, she apparently so. showed up to the set one day and they were like, let's do a cameo. Let's have you give the, you know, the award. So like cute, serendipitous, I guess, thing that happened there with the very end of the movie. And then we roll credits. It's so feel good. It's so happy. It's so nice. It is. It is a movie that feels very dated, but it does. It does have, a, I think, a lot of things to write home about. Basically, there are a Did lot it of feel really good. Lovely- Did you feel good? I felt a little weird. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I and there's, also a thing, there's also a thing for me where like 90s queer stuff uh, and drag in particular has always been like unknowable to me in a way and like really fascinating to me. And I'm always um, 
I'm always like interested in it because again, I was like, I was 11 when this movie came out and I did not see it or anything, but I knew of it and I knew of things like this, but I was a tiny closeted, you know, gay little queer person and I didn't know things, but I was like attracted to things and thought things were interesting. So I like, there was a weird nostalgia hit for me, even though I didn't actually watch this, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was 11, when it came out or anything, but I, uh, I think it writes checks that it can't cash in a lot of ways, but I also truly loved watching the three, uh, leads perform in this. And then again, yes, I also loved the supporting cast and I do think there's value even if I think it's corny as fuck, there is value, frankly, in the in the gay 90s movie that doesn't have a sad ending. Because let me tell you about how many fucking queer mm. movies of the 90s end with somebody dying. Like, it's, it, it's, it's some real grim shit. So there is, like, a value to having, like, a, a normalizing movie that's like, look, drag queens, look, gender nonconforming people, look, gay people. They don't have to be miserable and die. Like, I know how right. how simplistic that sounds in 2021. I do understand that, like, that's not necessarily oh, that's, I have a message, a but... with this movie that isn't that. But yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. This movie has no stakes. Sure. Because if they were to... Because the, there, there are stakes... In, I mean, there are stakes in this movie. And the stakes in this movie is... They are going to get murdered. They are going to get hate right, crimes. Right, right, yeah. They can't make that be the stakes because that is not the kind of movie they're making. Right. So because of that, there's no stakes. Yeah. And that's why this movie doesn't work for me. Um, uh, yeah, like, it makes, makes me sense. think of a lot of other 90s movies that are really similar, that are, like, doing the heartwarming thing, that are doing this utopian thing where it's, like, everyone loves gay people and everyone actually... Everyone... All normal people are actually not homophobic, except for there's just a few bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's Priscilla Queen of the Desert, but that's also the birdcage that's yep. uh, in and out. Um, in and out even has the Spartacus thing, uh, yep. which is the Kevin Klein uh, movie. Yep. And, but all those movies have other stakes, right? Like with Priscilla Queen of the Desert, we're really worried about um, Hugo Weaving, like, reuniting with his son like what's it you know it's this like Mm -hmm. very intimate like family drama as well um in well in the birdcage the actual tension and drama is that everyone's very funny and great and you're just having a good time Mm -hmm. watching yeah that one is a farce but but it's and it's a complete fucking farce but even like if you're pretending it's not a farce the stakes are like uh what's his name the conversation man Gene Hackman is going to get like uh, his career as an evil Republican is going to be ruined. Um, (laughs) And in and out, he's like going to lose his teaching job. These are all like stakes that the characters have. Right, right. Things that could plausibly happen. Things that could happen and harm the character, but also aren't like fucking miserable, like terrible, the worst things that could happen to you. Right. Like, which are the stakes that we're ignoring in Tu Wong Fu. I feel like so after the first that, 10 minutes of this movie, the po- that possibility is gone. Like, yeah. When they first show up in town and are like, oh, well, even hotel, even oh shit. Then, right? Oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. The hotel where it's like your basketball girls, right? Yeah. It's that like, was, okay, the lesbians show up for 10 seconds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was actually very funny. Um, yeah. It was so funny. And yeah, I was like, this is, a, this is a whole different movie where they yeah, just like yeah. end up getting like. 
like sort of like corralled on like, okay, everyone back onto the bus. Like we're continuing on the tour and they're just like, but we're not. And they're like, no, come on. And then they get like pulled into this basketball thing and they're all terrible at basketball. Um, That would also be very good. But yeah, after the first 10 minutes when like the gang of 90s white guy thugs shows up and is just like, oh no, they're just harassing them in like the normal way. Um, They just want to fuck. They just want to fuck. After that, then it's like, oh no, okay, this is. Yeah. There's no way this is going to happen. But then then like what are the stakes, right? So it's like are they going to make it to Hollywood on time? That's not really what the movie is. Yeah, we know no, the part isn't. like they have to order a part so they're stuck in the town. So it's like it you know, so it's not a ticking clock movie. What are these what are these individual characters journeys? Yeah, she's the only one with of, a journey, right? Yeah, yeah. They're just there to make other journey. people's lives better. Yeah, it's their whole so it's, purpose. So it ends up being this like proto, like you know, queer eye like thing yeah. of these like magic, and it's just like which is a which is a fantasy and like is a potent fantasy that can that obviously like can work as a narrative and that's been proven to work as a narrative. Putting outside like. Like just literally just talking about like story and not talk thinking about like, wow, that doesn't really humanize. That doesn't mm-hmm. treat these characters as human very much at all, does it? Um, but and I guess there's some sort of stakes to them being found out, but not really. I don't know. It's like that's that's what made it a very hard watch for me. It just that I was bored because yeah. there's no stakes and I'm bored. Like, I know he, like, I know that they're going to save the town and everything's going to be fine. And Stalker Channing's going to dump her terrible, abusive husband. And apparently gets a restaurant named after him. Well, I thought (laughs) that it was like, I assumed, so it it was replaced by like a steak restaurant called Virgil's. And I thought they were like, yeah, let's stick it to Virgil's and name this bad guy who punches ladies Virgil. Wait, what? Isn't oh, that, no. I thought that's the movie oh, was, was a coincidence? The movie was made before the restaurant the before oh. the China Bowl was replaced with the restaurant. So Virgil's. literally just a funny coincidence. Literally that's just so a funny wild. coincidence. Oh, okay. I thought it yeah. Unless whoever bought it like had seen the movie and was like, Oh, you know what we should name the new place we're putting in here? Virgil's. We should name it after that piece of shit. <laughs> the least charismatic <laughs> villain person that's who, like, ever appeared in a who, movie. Uh, who is then at the end of the movie is like stared down. By Stockard Channing, who just kind of gives him like a rueful smile, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're gone. And then he's kind of smiles back. Yeah, like, it's really weird. Oh, she's standing up to me and then like walks away. And it's like the weirdest vibe. It's really weird. Like very, <laughs> very strange. Um, yeah. The yeah, yeah, the only- weird cuts too. Like the camera yeah. just like and suddenly it's a blackout and you're a different scene. Like just the editing and camera choices to me are a little strange. And they create these weird vibes. But not weird in like a cool artsy way, in a weird uncomfortable <laughs> mm-hmm. way. Uh, I don't know if this is why, but apparently the director actually gave birth on the last day of shooting, and uh, her baby is in the credits as the best baby. Which, um, it's a it's play cute. on best boy. Kind of a kind of presumptuous. Yeah. <laughs> presumptuous, right? The, really, yeah. this is like, the best baby. I mean, do you know what a best boy does to earn the title of best boy? That's a hard job. That's a lot of work. What the fuck did the job. best baby do to earn the title of being the best? Just came out of a, you know, of a place. Yeah, that, that baby was hardly around for any of the making of the movie. That's true. How <laughs> right? could that baby be the best? That baby contributed basically nothing. 
like <laughs> fucking pull your weight, baby. You've been yeah, living. Right? You've been living at free rent for the last Is that nine baby months. Even union, right? Oh no, that baby's a scab. That's <gasps> fucking. That's fucked up. Scab baby. Scab baby. Scab baby. Oh no. Fucked up. That's fucked up. I I came away from this movie just really missing Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Yes. And yes. just like really, I don't know, just really feeling his the loss of him as a, an actor. Just yeah. Just really warm in this movie, and really like just the versatility here, um, and the commitment to the bit. As, I mean, you know, John Leguizamo and definitely Wesley Snipes as well. Wesley Snipes just a consummate actor just yes. really just fucking hammering it home and we'll maybe talk about that a little bit more mm. um but yeah patrick swayze just so like you know of course that's the whole bit of like a drag movie is like wow the transformation but just like even just like the way that he was like speaking and carrying himself like you can still tell it's him but it's like damn what a what a cool guy he really could do it all yeah. and i feel like he deserves to be canonized uh, in the same way as someone like Keanu, you know? Yeah, I agree. What kind of makes, what like, what made me, I'm going to be, I'm going to, permission to be sad? Yes, permission yeah. granted, of course. And what really made, like, I had a very similar feeling and also had this like moment of like imagining Patrick Swayze as like an old character actor. Mm. And it's like, oh, we were robbed. We were. We were all robbed of that. I mean, he Absolutely. died so young. Yeah. He was in his 50s. But imagine him now, like, having a resurgence, like a career resurgence, the way Keanu has, yeah. you know? Like... And I, th- I would argue he's a much better actor than Keanu Reeves. Oh, and yes. I say that as, like, one uh, yes. of and the... If anyone yes. can say that, Keanu it's Reeves you. Evangelist. I, yeah. I love Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves but, is like, not just an actor. What he's doing isn't always acting, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is like... <laughs> he's an entity... Canada. Yes, yeah. he's like something. He's granted. Uh, he's he is uh, pardoned in the scene where they're talking about what men that will keep in this movie. Oh my god, that's right. Mm-hmm. They Wait, have who? gagged Mel Gibson, uh, <laughs> Mister Rogers, Keanu Reeves. Wait, they mentioned the Keanu people. Reeves. I yeah. missed that. Wow, so good. Good I call, mean, gagging right. Mel Gibson. Like maybe throw Mel Gibson out and add another guy. But yeah, yeah. Well, otherwise, otherwise. I think this was before everyone knew like what a just huge piece of shit all around he was. Yeah, fair. Um, he was just fair. known for being yeah. handsome, not for being like anti-Semitic and violent and shit. Bad, bad guy. Yeah, for sure. I feel like Are there this, any- these. Uh, no, just on still on the Patrick Swayze thing. Like I was even talking about it. I don't know, two episodes ago, like just this whole rewatch kind of gave me the same feeling. And I think because Patrick Swayze got a lot lost in, I guess, my childhood movies, like rewatching mm-hmm. them now for us to talk about it just like gave me such a new appreciation for for just how good of an actor he was. And watching interviews and stuff, uh, I was watching one he was talking about uh uh the the Wong Fu part and he was mentioning like oh my original idea was that I was gonna show up uh on set and have some fun and like 
play it up and be like he said miss thing uh snapping his fingers simultaneously for visuals um but then like i realized that would be doing a disservice to the entire movie it was like i i realized in rehearsals that i would do that and the next take would be ruined um and that i couldn't do that like i couldn't be you know like the character of vita was not this the character of vita was just uh a kind person like it's yeah. beyond just being a, a a man in drag like he understood that and i thought the way he put it was just like so kind of sensitive and intellectual and like we were saying completely professional right like this is a person who really takes what he's doing very seriously and he gave me this sets too <laughs> it's really honestly like this this month of ours that i fully enjoyed kind of made me sad that we don't have him anymore yeah Honestly, the the sad double whammy of seeing him and Robin Williams in a scene together yeah. and wishing for so much more is, it's very sad. It's very bittersweet, but we do have, at least we have these incredible performances that we can always enjoy and appreciate and look at and look at fondly. And as my mom always said, what a hot hunk of man. <laughs> uh, whenever I mentioned Patrick Swayze's name, he was a hot hunk of man every time, every single Definitive time. Definitive <laughs> she can't not say it, but also, as we're saying, an incredibly talented performer and hardworking performer and amazing person. So we bid you our thanks posthumously, uh, Patrick Swayze. Thank you for all of this. Uh, are there any other notes about Chuang Fu uh, that we might make before we announce the next month of action? I Mine ties into our announcement. Yes, please. Because I feel like one of the gripes I had with the movie was just that Noxima didn't really get an arc, I felt like. Mm, We sort of talked about it at first, that, you know, she kind of did, because it was this idea of maybe that she was, maybe we were being a little generous in our reading, but that she was a little closed off and sort of opened her heart and mind uh, by the end of it. But I do feel like it really, the arc didn't really do uh, Wesley Snipes justice because he's just mm. so good um, and that was like one of my issues with it and I feel like that that kind of ties into what yeah. you, you're about to say yeah absolutely Wesley Snipes incredible in this movie but yeah like you're saying maybe he could have been given some more to do because his talent is incredible and enormous and we are going to celebrate that by going right into Snipes month You heard us, friends. We did a Swayze month, and now we are doing a Wesley Snipes month. And that means next week, we are watching the one, the only, Blade. We're watching Blade. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. It's going to be very exciting. And uh, if you have any questions or or comments or cool things to talk about in that movie, you can go ahead and go to the podcast questions channel of our Discord uh, and note that it's for you love to see it. So if you want to discuss the movie please go for it. And of course you can do that at fanbyte.casa. Thank you all so, so much. I am really looking forward to Blade, uh, but that's what we have for this week. And that's what we have for Swayze month. Thank you, Patrick Swayze and crew for giving us so much wonderful entertainment. Uh, we do hope you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us this month and this week. Please do be sure to rate and review our podcast because it helps us so, so much. If you tell a friend about our podcast, that also helps us out so, so much. And you can listen to all of our shows at fanbyte.com slash podcasts or podcastnet.work. Those will both take you uh, to the show pages. You can follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, Instagram, and TikTok 
excuse me, TikTok, not TikTok. That's TikTok is TikTok for babies. Yeah, TikTok. <laughs> TikTok is if you want to find the best babies? baby, you go to TikTok. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, Union babies <laughs> only, please. Best babies uh, at Fanbyte, and of course. You can read all of our uh, good material on fanbyte.com. You can watch all of our streams on twitch.tv slash fanbyte. And thank you so much to Paul, best baby, Tamayo, for producing this show. Thank you so much, Paul. You did take a great nickname. We are very happy about it. You can follow us, find us, hang out with us on Discord on fanbyte.casa. Okay, folks, where can we find you online, Fernanda? You can find me at... On Twitter at Nanda Prates, P-R-A-T-E-S underscore. And you can also listen to my podcast because this week it's kind of a you'll have to see it kind of thing. This week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, my podcast about MMA, is actually reviewing Mortal Kombat 2021. And it's uh, I'm a little biased, but I think it's pretty cool. So you should check it out. Ellie, I'm very much looking forward to that episode. I'm going to be listening to that after this. LB. Uh, again, Revenge of the Wench, <laughs> Hunk Tears. Where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Hunk Tears. Amazing. And Merit Career Girl K, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Merit K. Awesome. If you want to follow me, you can follow me. Of course, I was think of me as an angel. And of course, Fernanda took girl this week. Uh, you can find me at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. Thank you all so much. Please do go ahead and watch Blade because that's our next movie for next week. And until next week, you love to see it. Ooh.